You're listening to The Self-Disruption Show on iHeartRadio with Audrey Lawrence. Hacking business, science, and psychology to smash your goals. This is Audrey Lawrence, and you're listening to The Self-Disruption Show, where we seek mindset leaders that are changing the world. They're able to look inside themselves and create a focus for their future. And today's guest is no different. I am so excited. For those of you who are challenged, for those of you who are wondering how tomorrow's going to happen, I want you to hear about Terry Tucker, an exciting guest whose courageous, inspirational story is gripping. So if you're driving, turn up the volume. If you're listening to us while you're cleaning the kitchen, put down the mop. I want you to hear the very special story of Terry Tucker. Welcome, Terry. Thank you, Audrey. I'm excited to talk to you today. You know what? Your story touched all of us. And what is so gripping is that get up and go, regardless of what's coming after you, regardless of what the next diagnosis is, you still find a way to look at you, smile, this big, vibrant grin, this handsome guy. And if you know his story, you're going to ask the question that we all asked on our team, how? How, Terry, are you continuing in your journey? Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your history? Sure. So in in 2012, I kind of felt like I was just like everybody else on the planet. I was going about doing my job. I had a school security consulting business, and I was also coaching girls high school basketball in Texas. And I had a, a callus break open on the bottom of my foot right below my third And and I didn't give it a lot of thought initially because as a coach, you're on your feet a lot. But after a couple of weeks when it didn't heal, I went to see a podiatrist, a a foot doctor friend of mine, and he took an x-ray and he said, Terry, I think you got a cyst in there. I can take it out. And he did. And he showed it to us. Just a little gelatin sack with some white fat in it. Nothing, no dark spots, no blood, nothing to be concerned about. But he sent it off to pathology. And then two weeks later, I get a call from him. And as I said, he was a friend. So the more difficulty he was having describing what was going on, the more frightened I became until he just kind of laid it out. He said, Terry, I've been a doctor for 25 years. I have never seen the form of cancer that you have. You have a rare form of melanoma that appears on the bottom of the feet or the palms of the hands. And I recommend you go to MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston and be treated. And so I did. I I went to MD Anderson. I had all the lymph nodes in my groin removed along with the tumor in the bottom of my foot. And then when I healed, my oncologist put me on a drug called interferon, which for me was just a horrible, nasty, debilitating drug that gave me severe flu-like symptoms for two to three days every week after each injection. And I took those weekly injections for almost five years. So imagine having the flu every week for five years. And that was just to keep the disease from coming back. That wasn't a cure. 2017, I had to stop that drug because it became too toxic to my body. The disease immediately came back. 2018, my left foot was amputated. 2019, came back again, two more surgeries on my shin. And then last year, an undiagnosed tumor in my ankle grew large enough that it fractured my tibia, my shin bone. And right in the middle of the pandemic, I ended up having to have my left leg amputated above the knee and also found out that I had tumors in my lungs. So that's kind of been my nine year journey. 
And on that uplifting story, I'm sure you have some great questions for that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm taking a breath. It's so hard to imagine what it has been for you and your family. What is it? You know, so many of us measure our life in such terrible assets. We measure the size of our house or our car or our career. What is the measure? What is the takeaway? Because I'm just so touched by your story. What is it that we need to know about what really matters? What really matters, I, I think, and, and at least what I've found over these, certainly last nine years and over the 61 years that I've been on the face of the earth, is that we're here to serve. We're here to take care of each other. And I played uh, high school basketball. I played college basketball. I have a brother that pitched for Notre Dame. I have another brother who was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers and the National Basketball Association. And one of the things that team sports taught me was the importance of being part of something bigger than yourself. And, and that's, that's where I am right now in my life. And, you know, and you realize in team sports that if you don't hold up your end, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, not only do you let yourself down, but you let your teammates down, you let your coaches down, your fans down, your parents down. And I didn't want to do that. And, it, you know, if you think about the biggest team game that we all play, it's the game of life. And, you know, we, 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 we tend to today to be, you know, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's not about you. It's about us. And if we can do this together, imagine what we can, we can accomplish. I, I've been on a clinical trial drug to address the tumors in my lungs. And, and I've had nurses tell me, it's like, Terry, this, this drug is beating you up. You know, why don't, why don't you get off of it? Nobody would think anything less of you if you did. And, and what I've told them is, you know, and I, I'd be lying if I told you that this was something bigger than me only. It's not. I hope this works for me. It is definitely shrinking the tumors, but it's not something that's going to cure me. But what I've told them is this is bigger than me, that the, the tests the doctors do, the blood work that they do, maybe they're going to be able to develop a drug that will save someone's life five years from now or 10 years from now. And I won't even be here, but I will have been part of that. And for me, that's part of that service commitment. I have to be able to say, you know what? I came here. I did the best I could, not just for me, but for everybody I've been involved with. You know, it teaches us the value of our time. So often we throw time away. You hear people say, I'm killing time. And I, I think, you know, when you kill time, it cannot be resurrected. When you throw away time, it can't be divided. Time can't be shared. It can't be hoarded. It can't be stored. It can't be tucked under your mattress for a rainy day. Time is a non-renewable source. And so many of us, I mean, look what you're doing with your time. But so many of us think we have an open checkbook of time that we can continue to write false checks on, where we are not living our destiny. We're not fulfilling our dreams. We're not hitting our goals. What would you say to people who are looking at life without this perspective of the value of the unrenewable resource of time now that you see time differently? What do you share with people about what they do have? I, I think, and I've seen this, and I'm sure you have too, is that there are so many people out there that are living casual lives. And as a result of living that casual life, their dreams, their goals, their ambitions become a casualty of that unplanned living. 
we're not all born with the same gifts and talents, but we all have the ability to become the best person that we're capable of becoming. And over these last nine years, I've developed what I call my four truths. And, and these resonate for me. They may not resonate for, for you or, or your listeners, but if they do, you feel free to take them and use them. If they don't, find your own truths, the, the own thing, your own things in life that matter to you. And I'll give them to you. They're, they're just one sentence each. I, I have them on a post-it note right here on my desk that I see every day. And here's the first one. You must control your mind or your mind will control you. The second one is embrace the pain and the difficulty that we all experience in life and use that to make you a stronger and more determined individual. The third one is more of a legacy truth. And I've, I've just added this fairly recently. And it's this, what we leave behind is what we weave in the hearts of other people. And then the fourth one is pretty self-explanatory. As long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. And I use those truths. <clears throat> We're all going to experience pain in life. And it doesn't have to be cancer pain like mine. I mean, you could flunk a test at school or break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or not get the promotion at work that you think you deserve. We're all going to experience pain. Pain is inevitable. Suffering, on the other hand, that's optional. That's what you do with that pain. Do you take that pain and use it to make you stronger and tougher and more determined? Or do you wallow in it and feel sorry for yourself and want other people to feel sorry for you? I choose to do the first part, to, to not wallow in it. But I also want your audience to understand, there's no S on my chest. I do not wear a cape. I have bad days. I cry. I get down. I get depressed. I just choose not to stay there. And that's a capability that I have, that you have, that your audience have. It's up to you with what you want to do with that pain. Use it to make you stronger. Use it to make you stronger. Suffering is a choice. Pain can happen, but suffering is a choice. Um, I think that the, your four noble truths, I'll call them, I think they resonate. I think that to break them apart and look at them, I think time and time again, we see these methodologies sort of hinge on what these four truths are. I think you've really put your finger on what it is to get your brain around living the rest of your life, regardless of the length, regardless of the time that you have in life. So when our audience hears this, and I know you're not the type to, I imagine you're not the type to want someone to feel sorry. That's not the purpose of this. The purpose of you sharing your journey is to help enlighten somebody else's path, to enrich, to teach somebody something that your light is reflected out in the world and it is magnified long after you're not with us. Long after none of us are here, what is left is our legacy. We talked about it off air. The words we write, the books that we make are our legacy. They last far beyond our bones do. Tell us about your book and where we can learn more about you and get this beautiful content in our hands. So the book is called Sustainable Excellence, The 10 Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. And it's a book that was really born out of two conversations that I had. The first was with a former player of mine who moved with her fiance to Colorado where my wife and I live. And my wife and I had, had dinner with them. And I remember saying to her one day, you know, I'm really excited that you're living close and I can watch you 
find and live your purpose. And she got real quiet for a while. And then she kind of looked at me and she was like, well, coach, what do you think my purpose is? I said, I have no idea what your purpose is, but that's what your life should be about. Finding that purpose. And once you find it, live it. So that was one conversation. The other conversation was with a young man in college who reached out to me on LinkedIn. And he was like, what do you think are the most important things I should learn to not only be successful in business or my job, but to be successful in life? And I didn't want to give them the, you know, get up early, work hard, help others. Not that those aren't important. They are. They're extremely important. And I don't want to downplay them. But I wanted to try to give him something that went deeper, something that kind of resonated in his soul, so to speak. So I thought about it for a while and I started to write notes and eventually I came up with these 10 principles and I sent them to him. And then I stepped back and I was like, well, you know, I've got a life story that fits under this principle or I know somebody whose life emulates that principle. So as I said, I had my leg amputated in April of 2020, started chemotherapy for the tumors in my lungs in June of 2020. And during that three month time period that I was healing, I sat down at the computer and I literally started to build stories underneath the principles. And that's how the book came about. And when I, when I published it, I was all about, you know, I got to sell books. I got to sell books. I got to sell books. And, and it, you know, I, I had a best-selling author who I'd connected with over in the UK who kind of pulled me aside and sort of slapped me in the face. And I was so glad he did it. And he said, Terry, no, 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 you're missing the point. Your job is not to sell books. Your job is to help people. If you help people, your books will sell themselves. And I was so glad he said that because I didn't write this book to make money. I didn't write this book to get famous or to get more speaking engagement. I wrote the book to help people. So you can pretty much get sustainable excellence either on my website, motivationalcheck.com, or you can get it anywhere you can get a book online. So Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, Apple iBooks, any place like that. Beautiful. A casual life makes your dreams a casualty. If you're just joining us, this is Terry Tucker and Audrey Lawrence sharing the uplifting story of his life and the heartbreaking journey that he's been through. So where are you now today, Terry? Where do you feel like your purpose is in whatever it is that you feel that is left in your time? And I use that word with caution because it is such a daunting thing to think about, right? To think about what we have left in our lives. I think if more of us thought about how much time we had left, we'd probably use that time more usefully. So where are you now? And what can we learn from that? Yeah, I, you know, I've, I've been asked this question when I, when I found out I had the, the, my leg was gonna be amputated and I had the tumors in my lungs. Once that was stabilized, I went to the mortuary, I went to the cemetery, I went to the church, and I planned my whole funeral. And people, I got some kind of some brushback for that. People are like, you know, isn't that kind of defeatist? And, you know, I kind of looked at them like, mm, last time I checked, we're all going to die. I don't know how defeatist that is. I think it's a gift that I'm giving my family. It, it's, it's not everybody dies, but not everybody really lives. So with whatever time I have left, as I mentioned, I'm on this clinical trial. There were seven of us that started on this trial. I am the last man standing. I'm the last person who's on this trial. And you know, my doctors made the comment, I never expected anybody to get this far on the trial because it's such a debilitating drug that really beats you up and, and is very hard on you. 
So I kind of look at it like, well, you know what? The longer I can go, the more information these doctors can glean from, from my CAT scans, my blood work and things like that. Again, maybe sometime down the road, as you said, you know, five, 10 years from now when we're not even here, when we have no idea that we contributed to maybe making a drug that's going to save somebody's life. I would feel wherever I am, I would feel so much pride in the fact that, yeah, I stuck this out. Yes, it sucks. And, and nurses have said, you know, why don't you get off this thing? This is terrible and stuff like that. No, this is bigger than me. It goes back to the original discussion we had about being part of something that is bigger than, than you. And, and there's, that's all over in our lives. We just have to find that and attach ourselves to it. So with whatever time I have left, I'm, I'm going to keep trying on this drug. I'm never going to quit. You know, I always say that someday my pain will end. May end through surgery, may end through medication. Quite frankly, man, when I die. But if I quit, if I give up, or if I give into that pain, pain will always be a part of my life. So I'm not going to quit this. I'm going to go as long as I possibly can. Wow. You have put an exclamation point on not suffering, on coming through as a winner, on taking what is certainly one of the worst hands that I've ever seen dealt. And you sit here championing medicine, championing other people's causes, championing the opportunity that you can grow or you can teach the world how to grow through this. What do you say to people who are in similar situations without your mentality? How do you glean some, some light into their path from your own experiences? So I, I guess I'll answer that question with a story. I, I've always been a big fan of Westerns growing up. I, my mom and dad used to let me stay up and watch Gunsmoke and Wild Wild West and things like that. 1993, the movie Tombstone came out. You may have seen it. It was a very popular movie. It starred Val Kilmer as a man by the name of John Doc Holliday and Kurt Russell as a man by the name of Wyatt Earp. Now, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp were two living, breathing human beings who walked on the face of the earth. They're not just made up characters for the movie. And in this particular scene, Doc was called Doc because he was a dentist by trade, but he was pretty much a gunslinger and a card shark. And Wyatt had been a lawman his entire life. But these two men from incredibly divergent backgrounds come together to form this very close friendship. And in this scene, Doc is dying at a sanitarium in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, which is about three hours from my house. And the real Doc Holliday died at that sanitarium. He's buried in the Glenwood Springs Cemetery. And Wyatt, at this point in his life, is destitute. He has no money. He has no job. He has no prospects for a job. So every day it comes to play cards with, with Doc and the two men do that to pass the time. And they're talking about what they want out of life. And Doc says, you know, when I was younger, I was in love with my cousin, but she joined a convent over the affair, but she's all that I ever wanted. And he looks at Wyatt and he says, what about you, Wyatt? What do you want? And Wyatt says, I just want to lead a normal life. And Doc looks at him and says, there's no normal, there's just life. And get out there and live your life. You and I probably know a bunch of people who are sitting back and they're like, well, when this happens, my, my life will be normal. When this happens, my life will be successful. When this happens, my life will be influential. Don't wait for your life to come to you. Get out there, find out what you need to do, what the purpose you were put on this earth for, and live that purpose. Because when you do, at the end of your life, 
you'll be so much happier and have so much more peace. Quality of time is what I keep hearing from you. It's not how much time you have, it's the quality of how you choose to spend it. Gosh, I've never learned that lesson deeper than I've learned today with you, Terry. Thank you so much. Before we go, there's always, of course, a thousand questions that I miss asking, but I want to throw it to you and say, what have I missed today? Because I've been so touched by your story and probably a little taken back. What is it that, that I need to kind of give space to and let be heard from you? Tell, tell our listeners that sort of parting sentiment that I didn't touch on. So let me, let me leave you with this uh, challenge, I guess, for you and, and for the audience. For the next 30 days, everybody you come in contact with, assume that they're going to be dead tomorrow. So the person who cuts you off in traffic on the way to work, or the person at your office who takes credit for your work, or even your 16 year old who's driving you up the wall, assume that they will be dead tomorrow. Because if you do that, two things are gonna happen. One, you're gonna have a whole lot less stress in your life. And two, you're gonna have a much better appreciation for the people that are in your life. Amazing. It's how to frame gratitude. And this, it couldn't be the most simple exercise. And when you, you put it with a lens of your truth and what you're going through, it becomes a very transparent exercise. It becomes an exercise that instantly clicks and makes sense. And we know that actions that resonate in our brain actually get done. So you've heard it, listeners, you've heard the 30-day challenge. I love it. I instantly flash through 10 things that I would forgive. P.S. The person on the way to Starbucks this morning and the person on the phone, I was on hold for a half hour. Um, when we find these moments in life that give us the opportunity to make real change, I'm not talking a bumper sticker. I'm not talking about a happy quote you retweeted. I'm talking about real moments in your life where you can put a finger on and make a moment, a changeable life moment. I'm going to tell you, this is mine. This is a moment where I frame things in a new way that allows me to have a lens to be able to have gratitude in practice. I'm so grateful for your time, Terry. Before you go, tell our listeners one last time where they can get in contact with you and your content and where we can learn about your journey more. So motivationalcheck.com is my blog. I put up a, a daily motivational message every, every day. I put up the Monday morning motivational message, which is usually a video or a story. And I put different uh, messages, different videos up throughout the week. And I realize people's time is at a premium. So the, the videos, the stories, they're always short. So if you need a quick hit of inspiration or motivation, go to motivationalcheck.com. Again, you can get access to my social media sites. You can leave me a message there. You can get access to my book. So if you, everything Terry Tucker is at motivationalcheck.com. Amazing. What a gentleman. I don't care what you say. I do see an S on your chest. What a Superman. What a guy, what a lesson you gave me and the listeners today. I am loaded, gushing with gratitude and grateful of your braveness to share your story because you are changing lives. I can tell you today, you've touched me. Grateful, grateful, grateful gratitude to our listeners on WWPR in Tampa Bay and the iHeartRadio audience that so loyally follows us. Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Disruption Show on iHeartRadio with Audrey Lawrence and our guest, Terry Tucker, and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Self-Disruption Show with Audrey Lawrence. To learn more, go to AudreyLawrence.org and follow us on your favorite social media. Don't forget to like and subscribe. 
Grab your free downloadable gift at AudreyLawrence.org forward slash gift.